Attention, please. Eastern Airlines Flight 19, now ready for departure. Welcome aboard the Walt Disney World Express Monorail. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're entering the vacation kingdom of the world. There's enough land here to hold all of the ideas and plans we could possibly imagine. We call it Epcot. Will be our experimental prototype city of tomorrow. Welcome to another episode of the Retro Disney World Podcast. Taking you back to the vacation kingdom of the world, the way it was, and the way it is in your memories. All right, welcome to episode 18 of the Retro Disney World podcast. This episode is titled Nowhere in Particular, and if you know what that means, you're going to know that we're taking you back to Mr. Toad's wild ride in the Magic Kingdom. Uh, I'm your host, Todd McCartney. Sitting in with me tonight is uh, Hal Bowers. Aloha. Hey, Hal, how's it going tonight? Good. Good. Brian P. Miles. Greetings from Philadelphia, the city that loves you back. Brotherly love and loving you back. And normally JT Couser is in, but he's unfortunately under the weather tonight. So JT, hope you feel better. Get well soon and we will have JT back with us next His week. lumbago is acting up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. Um, before we get to... Uh, the corrections and comments and get this episode kicked off. Uh, I have to add a little bit of a, of a personal note here. Um, I'm going to dedicate this episode uh, to someone very special in my life. Um, just a few days ago, um, I unfortunately lost my mother uh, due to some complications from a heart event that she had. And um, the reason I want to dedicate this is that we're kicking off as with you know, going into Fantasyland here. And I have a very, very fond memory um, of spending some time with my mother in Fantasyland. And um, this dates back probably to the mid-1980s or so. We were down there with uh, my grandparents, uh, her, her parents. And, um, and and those are the grandparents, by the way, incidentally, of, of the film, one of the very first films I restored. And uh, we were down in the Magic Kingdom that day, and um, I remember that for some reason or another, the Magic Kingdom hours were extended. Um, middle of the day, they decided to ex extend them out um, to around to midnight or something like that. So as the evening wore on, my grandparents, um, they did want to stay, and my sisters were younger at the time, so my, they were in tow at that point, and I, I, you know, my father was getting tired, so they took the girls uh, back to the hotel, and, and my grandparents went back to to, to relax. But my mother remained with my, myself and, and, and my brother, so I was probably 10, 12, 13 at the time, something like that. And I have uh, some very distinct memories of, uh, of Fantasyland that night, because that's where we spent a uh, majority of the time that evening, getting on the rides we hadn't done during the day. I remember standing in line uh, for Peter Pan and the fireworks going off, and we're kind of in the queue and trying to move up and trying to bend our heads down and look out at the queue and you know see the fireworks at the same time um, I know we went on Mr. Toad's and which we're going to talk about tonight and a few others so uh, a very fond memory um, and uh, with that I am dedicating this podcast uh, to my mother uh, Joan and uh, mom appreciate that time it was wonderful and um, I know we'll we'll do it again together someday 
So uh, normally this part of the program, we jump right into corrections and comments. And um, we're going to go over some comments specifically that came from you, our listeners. Um, if you remember last month, we asked uh, all of you to, if you could, to head over to uh, uh, our survey and give us an idea of, of what you thought of the podcast. And we got some really good results back. Um, and it was really nice to hear from all of you, some fantastic comments and wonderful things. Um, I just wanted to let you know that you, of our listeners, you know, we asked how you follow us. And uh, it seems to be that those on Twitter, iTunes, uh, our website, as well as Facebook, uh, really where you follow us. So that was great to know. We are starting up uh, more stuff going on Instagram and, and, and some other methods and Pinterest. So if you, you are on those, look for us there. Um, we also kind of looked at uh, what, what it is that you like in terms of uh, the portions of the podcast. And 90% of people out there, guys, like the main topic. But I, there's one person, and, and too bad JT's not here for this, but one person's favorite part of the show is listener mail. <laughs> So, JT, you've got a huge fan out there when you run out to that mailbox. <laughs> Running out to the mailbox with anticipation every month. Exactly. This person's waiting for you. So, um, majority of you are groupies. You've listened to all of our episodes, which, uh, you know, we think is awesome. Thank you. Yeah, yes. we love the listeners. Um, and a good portion of you think that the length is right. So, I know a lot of you have asked for longer episodes or, or do it multiple times a month. Um, we're going to see what we can do to release some maybe small episodes now and then. Um, we like to try to keep things, um, you know, within the hour and a half to hour and 40. Um, you know, that's even kind of going on the long end for us. But we're going to do what we can to get some additional things in here and uh, throw out some uh, short uh, episodes when we can. Yeah, but the one and, thing I say, we will not compromise on the quality to do that. And that's, and that's the thing. The These shows do take uh, research time. We're not coming up here. We're not reading off of Wikipedia uh, we're either doing full research or like going back to our own memories and pulling stuff out, uh, because we want to give you the real deal. And, and a couple of us are old enough to have lived through all this. So we're right. giving you yeah. firsthand accounts. And you also have to understand for all of us the being a hobby and, and enjoying it is it's really fun for us each month to get together and do this. And, um, if we did that on a more frequent basis, I think we'd lose kind of some of that appeal. We have fun doing it. It's a great bunch of guys here having a lot of fun. So, but it was great to get so much feedback from people who love the sound of our voices almost as much as we do. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and with that said, what what really st stood out is that um, you as listeners want to hear more about the old attractions. And I know we've been doing a lot of uh, different interviews and, and different things in the past, which are, have been great. We can't thank our guests enough, but we, we want to thank our listeners as well. So for the next couple episodes here, we are really are going to be um, dialing the interviews back a little bit, uh, but really starting to dive back into those old attractions. And I think tonight is one that how, and, and Brian, you know, one of the favorites, there were picket lines when it closed. We'll get into that later on. But, um, yeah, I think this is a great way to, to re-kick off some of, some of the old attractions. So thanks to everybody for, for filling in the survey and, uh, we can only, we'll use it to only get better from here. So. Okay, so off to listener mail. Um, JT's not here, so I had to run out to the mailbag and, and check on things. But um, we got one in how I, th I think you, you had an answer to this. I'm going to read it here. And um, uh, our, our listener here is from Singapore, which is awesome. I didn't realize we were, we're going worldwide now. And uh, he's listening to a little bit out of sequence, and he wanted to know if this topic has already been discussed. But when he was a kid, he loved watching GM's Make Your Own Magic video. 
Uh, it was about a 20, 30 minute advertisement for Disney World and also doubled as a GM promotion. Um, he says, what struck me was it's unusually good soundtrack. And some of the music was even later in some of Disney's own vacation planning videos. Uh, was the music uh, original to that video? Was it composed earlier? And who was the composer? Um, and uh, he's hoping that we can cover Horizons and Journey Imagination to a later time. I don't know. Are we ever going to do those attractions? Oh, do you think people would want to hear about those attractions? Yeah, I don't know. We, you know what? I'll put a survey together. We'll yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> so that was from Mark Lemke. I appreciate the writing. So how you, you did a little research. On yeah. This, right? So actually, we talked about this video uh, when we talked about... Um, yep. When we talked about um, that attraction, yeah, well, World of Motion, yeah, yeah, World of Motion, because it is actually a really great, um, really great thing. So, uh, so I started thinking about it, did some research, and uh, I looked at the credits at the end. And uh, usually, when Disney writes music for a program, uh, they'll actually have uh, copyright attached to it. Uh, most of the stuff that actually gets published by Disney is attached to the Wonderland Publishing Company, so that's usually a dead giveaway. Uh, or at least they'll they'll call out the musical pieces and then put the uh, put the copyright notices there. Um, that wasn't the case with this. So uh, my thought was then that it must be uh, needle drop music from a commercial library uh, that people picked because it's it's very to describe it. It's kind of like that like very 1980s music. Um, so I started to, to do a little research into that. Um, and as it goes around from World Showcase, uh, from seriously Future World into World Showcase, I was actually able to pull up Shazam, uh, and I was able to find some of the songs that were used in the World Showcase area. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, three of the songs are on an album available on iTunes called International Sounds hey, from that. the Network Music Ensemble. So you can relive the the sounds of Italy. <laughs> And uh, China, uh, if you pick up that album on iTunes, I think it's probably like 10 bucks or something. So You know what's happening right now, guys, is that everybody's running to YouTube to look at their old favorite videos, and they're, they're sitting there with their phones, going to be shazamming. All the it is amazing. It I mean, that is a viable cool. thing now. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and in fact, I know there's people in the current uh, community that are going out. You know, it used to be the siege mystery to try to figure out what songs Disney were using in audio loops uh, in the right, parks. Right in uh like Tomorrowland and stuff and it used it used to literally take years of talking to different people to find folks that had the knowledge of like one particular song and now you can use Shazam or Soundhound and like find out for yourself in a few minutes and then like put together a playlist on uh, Spotify so right right let's hear it for technology that's job, awesome <laughs> well good sleuth in there how huh? Um, the next one, and, and Mark, again, thanks for writing in. Uh, the next one actually comes from another Mark, uh, Mark Starr. And he says, do you guys remember the blue mayonnaise in Tomorrowland in the mid-90s? It was awesome. It looked like you were putting toothpaste on your burger. Keep up the good work. <laughs> so, Brian, uh, did you did you reply? I think you replied to him, right? I did. Yeah. Uh, in fact, we even uh, threw out there for a quiz as to who could tell us what the three oddly colored items were. They were mayo, ketchup, and mustard. And uh, the colors were green, purple, and blue. But I'll be honest with you, this was like three weeks ago, so I don't remember which was which. <laughs> I think the ketchup was green. That's right. There we go. So are we going to bring back blue mayonnaise at the at Star Wars now with blue milk? Not, no. 
We will okay. not. It was gross then. They sold it's, it in stores. But it was a, a function of, a, I want to say the mid-90s, like 95, 96. It was in, exclusive to Cosmic Rays. That's where they, where they pushed it in Tomorrowland. And it was gross. And I'm glad that that trend has ended. Yep. I agree there. <laughs> so, Mark, there you go. Thanks for writing in. If anybody else has a photo, if you have a photo of uh, Blue Mayonnaise for any way, any reason, I should say, send it in. We'll, we'll, we'll get you some stickers and some retro, uh, retro WDW podcast swag for you. All right. So send that to podcast at retrodisneyworld.com. Brian, you've got one other uh, uh, listener, listener mail that we want to go over tonight, right? Yes, we had a query uh, posited to us on Twitter by Kate Antilles, who is at Alderani. She must have gotten <laughs> off the planet before the Death Star blew it up. <laughs> and she sent us a, uh, a, a snapshot of a circa, I think about 1994 map uh, of the Magic Kingdom and wanted to know if the the building that housed the attraction, the Timekeeper, which was the Robin Williams, right? The uh, mm-hmm. the, yep. the yeah. Nine Eye, right? Wasn't it Nine Eye, yes. the, the camera Correct. that flew yeah. around through history? And Started out at uh, Disneyland Paris as a mm-hmm. show called From Time to Time and then was ported over to Walt Disney World. Amongst other theme yes. parks. Uh, and when it opened, the building that housed it was called the Transportarium uh, on this map. And she wanted to know how long uh, after the attraction opened that the building retained this name. And the answer, uh, which was on Wikipedia, Todd, <laughs> is six months. There we go. So, so we gave her that answer. She was she was thankful to know it and was able to sleep at night. So yeah, that thank was, you, Kate. That was a little cool era of time because uh, when they rethemed Tomorrowland, they sort of gave all those buildings functions. So I think the uh, the place that held Alien Encounter was supposed to be, I'm trying to remember now. It was a uh, like an expo hall or something. Yeah. Isn't that some of the stuff that's... Oh, come on. What's it called? I don't remember now. It sucks getting old. <laughs> <laughs> we'll remember tomorrow because right. it's about tomorrow. Man. That's right. Well, I think some of the theming is still there, uh, if I remember correctly, that in the uh, in the waiting area, there's still some elements of the old theming there. Mm-hmm. Right. And they kept like, the name Rocket Tower Plaza for yep. the... Uh, yep. The area underneath the people mover. Although the people mover is reverted back to people mover instead of the Tomorrowland Transportation Authority. And we can all like thank that. God for that. <laughs> I never stopped calling it the Wedway. No, I never did. It's always always the people mover. I'm not going to TTA or anything like that. So well, thanks for writing in, Kate. Appreciate it. And uh, if you've got any questions or comments for us, we'd love getting them. Uh, send in your letters uh, to podcast at retrodisneyworld.com. All right, so every month uh, we release a new design for our T-shirts and other swag and merchandise. Uh, last month we released the Nabby Grabber uh, to honor uh, Tom Nabby. Um, how do you have a have a new uh, design for this month coming up? Can I... We just don't have one new design. Oh, we, we actually have. Wait a minute, this is news to me. We actually have like six designs. Wow. So because we're doing Toad this month, right? Uh, I thought it might be neat to do some shirts for groups. So what I've done, if you remember back to the to the ride, which we'll talk about in just a few yep. minutes, uh, in the front of every car, it had there was a name on the car. Right. So it either said Mr. Toad or Winky or uh, Cyril or the different characters are in there. So what we've done is we've kind of reproduced uh, those names 
uh, on we're going to put those on shirts. So well, we've assigned different colors to different names. So if you're used to seeing those shirts in the parks of like I say at Universal where you have like thing one, thing two, thing three, thing four, whatever, uh, we're going to do that with uh, with these shirts so that you can all dress up like Toad cars. I love it. That's awesome. So those will hit Retro Disney World shop very, very soon. And you can get to that at RetroDisneyWorld.com forward slash support us. And guys, we gave away some stuff this last month too. So if you follow us on Twitter, we gave away a uh, some newness Wave Machine stickers and an extra t-shirt we had. So uh, follow us and you never know uh, what may come out of uh, you watching what we give away. So we got coupons and all sorts of good stuff. So... Well, let's move off to the audio rewind for this month. Now, I have to say I was impressed this month because not only did you guys see how many responses we got this month? It was overwhelming. It was <laughs> the number of responses, guys, that we got this month almost eclipsed the past three months of entries. And and the number of correct responses would have probably sparked an investigation if this was some <laughs> kind of an educational assessment test. Exactly. So <laughs> because nine, mo- almost all of them were correct, yeah, all but a couple. 97% of you who entered got the correct answer. So before we give away that correct answer, let's take a listen to last month's Audio Rewind Puzzler. Gee, it sure is dark in here. There's got to be a light around here somewhere. Ah, this ought to do it. Whoa! All right, Pinhead, listen up. Your job is to pilot this craft through a typical day's maneuvers without overstressing it. Remember, use your head, don't lose your head. I've got my eye on you, Fuzzy. Screw up this mission and you'll be piloting a chicken till your retirement day. Got that? Uh, Yes, sir. All right, now, Brian, we always ask you, now that we've heard it, did you know it? I did. There we go. Uh, I experienced this attraction many times and enjoyed it and think that they should pull the wall down and let us go on it again. That's right. Yeah. Bring back the hypothalamus. A little bit, I suppose. But yeah, let's go do it again. So the answer is it was the opening portion of Cranium Command over at the Wonders and Life Pavilion. That's when Buzzy was getting his uh, commands for the day from the sergeant. Okay, and the winner for this month is Tammy Norman. Congratulations, Tammy. You win a copy of uh, RJ and Suzanne's book titled Together the Dream, which we spoke of last month. So congratulations. All right, so uh, I, I think, Brian, you've got the prize for this month, correct? That is correct. I have a glass... Mickey Mouse Pirates of the Caribbean mug uh, that uh, I believe is either late 80s or early 90s, mm-hmm. but it uh, looks brand new. Nice. I've never drunk out of it, so uh, you don't have any of my cooties on it. And uh, <laughs> it'll be come to you neat and spiffy and ready for display or use by you and your loved ones who you allow to touch it. So that will yep. go to this month's prize winner. Okay, so now we know the prize. Let's take a listen to this month's Audio Rewind Puzzler. So if you think you know the answer to this month's Audio Rewind, send your guesses to podcast at RetroDisneyWorld.com. All right. Now, remember that all win- all I'm sorry, not all winners, all entries will be entered into the big prize drawing at the end of the year in December 2016. Now, 
for that, we have a prize pot. Every month we add to it, so it's growing. So what is in that prize pot so far? We have an Orange Bird yo-yo, a brochure from the World of Motion, a Golf Resort Mickey Head logo golf bag tag, the Epcot salt and, paper, salt and Pepper Shaker set, and as we did, said last month, they do not come with salt or pepper. But uh, wait, there's more. There's more. How is adding to the pot again? The guy's got a pile of things to put in. So how? what are we adding in for this month? Uh, this month is a glass candy dish uh, from Walt Disney World. This is a 1970s item. Uh, it's in the package, new in the box. It says, a gift of glass from Walt Disney World. <laughs> Which is what everyone wants from Every, Walt Disney. If, if, if you, listen, if you're going anywhere, can you bring me back some glass? <laughs> Give me some glass. <laughs> bring me back something fragile. Uh, so this is one of those uh, sort of uh, fluted, I don't know what you call it, sort of like yeah. the wavy Can you hold up dish. the camera there? Is that, that's the blue. It, yeah, yeah, so it's got the blue, blue and green, green and white illustrations. Warped. It's, it's warped by design. Yeah. Yes, and it's got uh, it's got the Osceola class side wheeler on it, the... Uh, the uh, these looks like they must have came off of the postcards, probably. The yeah, uh, right. monorail coming out of the contemporary, a shot of town square, uh, a little picture of the jungle cruise, uh, so hall of presidents, uh, small world, and then uh, and then the castle in the middle. Now I, I have a question. Now are you going to throw in a bag of hard candy? <laughs> Some Werther's original, maybe yeah. to go with yes. this. No, it must be original to the seventies. That's right. Yeah, it's got to be like a hard single wrapped candy. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. Those little and, balls, yeah, root beer barrels. You know, and yeah, uh, yeah. and this item had a uh, had a a retail price of two dollars and seventy five cents in nineteen seventy one. And how many of those attractions are still open? I think all of them, right? Everything you just named. Yeah. Is I, is there? Look look carefully at the Bay Lake. Is can you see Roy's cabin at all? Is it on actually, there? Actually, I think I do. It might just be on off there. to the right. Yeah. It's got a little yeah. sign on there. Keep it down out it's, there. Whoosh, yeah. <laughs> Letting it through. So, all right. So, the prize pod is growing. Again, if you know the answer to this month's audio rewind, send your answers to podcast at retrodisneyworld.com. And again, a random winner will be drawn from all correct entries to receive this month's prize and have your entries in on or before May 16th, 2016. And all entries, regardless if they're correct or not, will be entered into the big prize drawing in December 2016. Man, someone's going to get a box. I know, this fun. thing's getting big. <laughs> got to take up a collection now for, for the shipping. <laughs> so. Well, it's the time you've all been waiting for. This is the main topic uh, this month, which is indeed Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, and hence the title of our of our podcast this this month, Nowhere in Particular. So we're going to take you to Nowhere in Particular now. Um, Howe has been busy researching not only from his own files of information, but digging through all sorts of, of uh, important pieces of information he's gathered over the years and doing all the research to take us back to, to Mr. Toad. Uh, for those of that you don't know, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride was is a or was a ride in the Magic Kingdom. It was where uh, where Pooh stands now. Um, it's one of the beloved attractions and is sorely missed. So, with that said, I know I miss it. How you miss it? Um, 
So we're going to roll back right now to the very beginnings of how Mr. Toad's Wild Ride came to be. And Brian, you've got a nice passage to read for us. Well, setting the stage for how Mr. Toad's Wild Ride uh, got to Walt Disney World. And uh, the reason I am uh, going to do this introduction for what is largely a a Hal Bowers centered uh, (laughs) story is because it involves my favorite guy, Dick Nunes. And uh, one of my favorite Imagineers, Raleigh Crump. And uh, so I'm actually going to read a small bit of Raleigh's uh, thoughts on the matter from a a book by Jeff Heimbach called It's Kind of a Cute Story. Uh, It is available online and you should grab a copy if you are interested in it. It's fantastic. It's a great read. Really Really good. Yeah, because Raleigh Raleigh worked on, you know, started working for the studios and, and, you know, did some great uh, Imagineering work at the Disneyland and the World's Fair and Walt Disney World and a lot of other stuff through the years. And it's it's an interesting read. And Raleigh's one of those surviving Imagineers still with us and still telling great stories. So the story he tells about Mr. Toad's Wild Ride is uh, when they decided to build Walt Disney World, uh, his area of responsibility, they assigned him Fantasyland. And he was going to be in charge of overseeing the development of Fantasyland in Walt Disney World. And uh, one of the attractions that they wanted to put in Walt Disney World was Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, which was very popular in California. Uh, Dick Nunes president of uh, Walt Disney Attractions, I guess, by the end of his career. Uh, Dick Nunes uh, went to Raleigh and said, uh, I want you to put two toad rides in Walt Disney World. And Raleigh said, well, what do you mean by that? And he says, I want you to make two Mr. Toad rides side by side exactly the same. Because it was so popular in California, they wanted to make sure that they had the capacity to handle the interest in Florida. Uh, So Raleigh, in his own words, thought that was a dumb idea. Two rides exactly the same. Why the hell would I do that? So he said, let him think about it for a while. And he'd come up with something better. Says he went home that night to try to hash it out. And what he came up with was eventually put into the park. It was two Mr. Toad rides, but they were completely different rides in the same building. The track layouts were completely different, which he thought was a great idea to throw people off. One on the left and one on the right. Both sides started in Toad Hall and took a look around in there, but then the cars would turn right and break through a wall, and the others would turn left and go through a pantry. From there, each side would have their own little adventure and then come back together in Town Square. They'd see each other again and almost get into an accident with each other before splitting off onto different adventures. Of course, both sides wound up in hell at the end. I just thought it was an interesting idea to have the two sides be completely different but intertwined with each other at certain parts of the ride, Raleigh Crump said. It almost made him laugh when a family would go on the ride and come out on the other side and start arguing over whether or not they saw chickens or whether or not there was a gypsy camp because they swore they had just been on the same ride. He loved that ride, he says. I really did, and I was really proud of it. And it was very popular when the Magic Kingdom opened, and it continued to be for a long time. Of course, as the years went on, management wanted to put something new in there and decided to take the ride out. Believe it or not, there were people who protested about its closure. They had t-shirts and signs that said, save Mr. Toad and save Toad Hall on it. It was really wild. They would walk around in front of the ride and chant and cheer. I was really touched by that. I hoped that maybe, just maybe, their plan would work. Unfortunately, it didn't, and it was gone by 1998. 
The original is still in Disneyland, which is good, but I'm still upset over the loss of my toad. And now you know the rest of the story. <laughs> <laughs> And a great, a great attraction, uh, a great attraction it was. It is, it was, and still is, I think, one of the most beloved attractions there. And it was, it was a Fantasyland staple. I mean, you know, <clears throat> it, late at night, I remember going into it many times. I mean, you just, you, you had to go in. It's just right. And, and I no, think the key no to it is like it was weird. It was yeah. the, the weirdest thing. I, I could never make sense of it. <laughs> it's so out of character for uh, compared to the rest of Fantasyland. And I, th- I think that was really one of the fantastic things about it. And I, and I think that's why a lot of the fans really got attached to it is because w- in what other place would you actually go to hell in a <laughs> Disney ride? And, and it was also I mean, for its time, it was a, it was like a thrill ride. Right. Yeah. Because there were things. You know, jumping out and and uh, it was it was a little bit scary at parts. Yeah, right. right. Quick a turns. Lo- and being a lot of Fantasyland rides, Snow White's Scary Adventures had genuine was... like you know it was like a very fast sort of laugh in the dark style ride with things you know coming at you and falling at you. So it was a very classic dark ride concept, yep. and it was really well done and really fun. Yeah. Well, so I gotta say, in in defense of the replacement, it is very scary worrying about whether or not Pooh's going to get his honey. <laughs> <laughs> Brian gets concerned every time through, but we, we reassure him and he comes out smiling at the end. So. Yeah, and Pooh is a it is a beautiful ride. There are sections mm-hmm. of it that are really, really well done. Uh, not as well done as I understand as it's done at some of the other Disney parks. Uh, but, you know, this was it turned out to be like 20,000 leagues, like a lot of other things. This was kind of this generation's ride. So I think. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, an awful lot of people grew up with it and, uh, I think that's why we're so sad about it. So, and I think the other key there is, as we're going to talk about is the simplicity and how well executed that was that, you know, now people want more lights and 3d and action and motion and moving and all that crap that goes with it. But this was so simple yet. So effective. <laughs> subtly put, subtly put. Yeah. I, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an old grumpy man. What can I say? Get off, get off Todd's lawn. That's right. Get off, kids. So I'll, I'll read. For you. So I happen to have uh, a piece of documentation uh, from the ride. So if you went in to get trained on the ride, uh, they would hand you a thing so that we'd kind of learn the backstory, and then you could uh, tell that backstory to the guests too. So I'm going to start by reading the Mr. Toad's Wild Ride story. So it says. Uh, Kenneth Graham's Win of the Willows inspired Walt Disney and his animation team enough to produce, in the late 1940s, a uniquely satirical version of the classic novel. The motor misadventures of the infamous Mr. Toad were brought to full-color life and released in 1949 as one part of the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Completing the two-part animated feature is The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, a humorous account of the unflappable but superstitious schoolteacher tormented by the Headless Horseman. The Wind in the Willow story is of a well-to-do and eccentric playboy, J. Thaddeus Toad, who was quite content to tour the countryside horse and buggy style until the day he spies his first automobile. He's instantly hooked and wants one. That night, Mr. Toad dreams that he actually becomes the motor car he desires, careening wildly across the uncrossable, barely missing all kinds of barriers along the way. When he awakens, Mr. Toad gets caught up in what eventually turns into the court battle over his alleged stolen vehicle. 
but with the help of his good friends, Mr. Toad is at last released back to his happy life at Toad Hall. A few years after the successful release of the film version of the story, Walt chose to develop Mr. Toad's adventures, this time, into a Fantasyland attraction for his new theme park. Mr. Toad's Wild Ride opened with Disneyland in 1955, and again with the Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom in 1971. Guests boarding this attraction instantly become caught up in Mr. Toad's crazy dream as they travel through the attraction aboard replicas of the antique car which corrupted Mr. Toad to begin with. So there's your first thing. You're in the middle of some sort of crazy Toadian fever dream, <laughs> which I guess kind of could explain away all the anomalies that you see later on in the ride. Well, I always wondered whether frogs dreamed and if they did, you know, what they dreamed <laughs> what about. Dream now of? I know. Now we know. Again, now we know the rest of the story. Right. So, uh, so like, um, like all the other Fantasyland uh, opening day attractions, uh, the outside of the ride was very plain. Uh, you know, they went for that tournament tent look. Uh, and then it wasn't until you actually step inside that you started to see theming. So uh, what you see in Disneyland today with like the full blown sculpted outside of Toad Hall, we did not have that. We had a very plain, simple thing. But but once you got inside, uh, it was actually quite beautiful. There was kind of this panoramic vista, uh, the painting that stretched from one side of the wall uh, on your left hand side to the back wall and then over to the right hand side uh, that had Toad and the characters up on a bridge and uh, the cars would come out underneath that bridge. And then in the center uh, was a beautiful little painting of Toad Hall. Well, I shouldn't say little. It's, uh, it took up the entire wall. But he had Toad Hall and then some English countryside. And then as it moved over to the right-hand side, uh, you had sort of a mirror of what you saw on the left with the characters and the bridge and the cars coming out from underneath that. Um, and what's really fascinating about the way that was done uh, is they used a, a more of a semi-dimensional technique uh, in building out that mural. So you didn't have, again, these full-blown, like, sculpted versions of things. You basically had, like, boxes and cones extruded from the wall and painted and uh, trees done on flat uh, on flat pieces of plywood kind of staggered in distance, almost kind of like a multiplane camera setup. So it was very simple, uh, but the paintings itself were done very realistically, and it, it's still, I think, one of the most beautiful pieces of art that was done in the park uh the the piece in uh in snow white and the seven dwarfs in that ride is fantastic in snow white's great adventures and, and this one in toad probably even more so As we talked about the left and the right-hand sides, uh, when you would approach the attraction, uh, you had your choice of going to a left-hand queue and a right-hand queue, and you go through turnstiles and give the person your ticket. So you'd pull out your seat ticket and the ticket days, and then head your way through. Uh, and the queue was very simple. Basically, the floor was painted green, and then there were these uh, sort of like metal uh, pipe-type queue that you would walk through, and they could sort of rotate different sections out in order to make the, the, the line... Uh, Longer or shorter. Um, Not much different than necessary. Snow White or, or even uh, Peter Pan. Peter Pan, and, yeah. It was yeah, super, super, almost super identical. simple. Yeah. Um, uh, Do you remember so where, where the queue split? It split at the very end, At right? the very beginning. Oh, the very beginning. Yeah, okay. when you walked up to it, you had your choice of going left or right. Oh, that's right. 
Um, and then in, in later years, they kept that. In fact, they kept the turnstiles there at the front, too, just to like keep counting, even though there weren't any tickets anymore. So that was the days where you had to kind of decide, which one do I go? Which is the shorter one, judging on the crowds? And <laughs> you could, Or you could ride both, like I did. Right, right. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Um, so, uh, let's see. Sorry. Uh, so each side, as we talked about, each side of the ride was different. Um, although the final two scenes were the same. Uh, and what was great was that if the cars were dispatched simultaneously on the left and right side... That gag that we talked about uh, with the two cars appearing to almost want to crash into each other worked perfectly uh, because the cars were timed uh, in certain areas where they would basically look like they're coming headlong against each other. So as long as they were dispatched simultaneously, it's like that gag worked perfect. How uh, often did they get? I was going to say as yeah, as later years went on, not so much. Things got a little lazy. Yeah. So uh, let's see. Sorry. Oh, the cars. Uh, so initially the cars were two-seater, uh, kind of small. There was basically four colors, red, blue, uh, green, and yellow. Uh, they had the character names on them. So you could either be Mr. Toad or Toady or Mole, Molly, uh, Ratty, uh, Cyril, uh, Winky, or, uh, or Weasels. So uh, you could wait out for your favorite car. If you wanted to be a weasel, you could do that. Uh, and then the, as we talked about, the experience was kind of split into two sides. So the left side had one set of rooms and then the right side had a different set of rooms. Um, they both started off in Toad Hall. Uh, the left side would have a painting of Toad as Whistler's mother or Ruben's self-portrait, which was kind of weird. But again, this is his dream, so I guess he can do whatever he wants to. What was it? Weird, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then from there you would move into the trophy room and you'd see a butler hanging from a snake on a chandelier. And rhinos and crocodiles and hippos and lion heads on the wall uh, as all animals that he had bagged as part of an African expedition. And a really, really weird thing that I discovered while I was doing research for this is that those animals came from someplace else in Fantasyland. Oh, this is what you hinted on on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. So any thoughts? Any guesses? Hmm. Animal JT wise. probably would have had the answer. Yeah, he might have. I, I'm I'm just going to go out on a limb and, well, I would say small world, but the design in there was, was Raleigh Crump. But, yeah. So you are correct. I am. Oh. The animal heads on the wall were from the Africa section of It's yeah. a Small World. So the hippo head is the hippo from Small World. The rhino yeah. is the rhino from Small World. <laughs> so as part of this crazy dream, Mr. Toad has gone and killed the animals in Small World and like brought them back to Toad <laughs> Hall and put them in his house. Bungalow Bill. <laughs> now, were they just duplicates or were they actually moved from there? The, the heads? No, they, were, they were, I think, duplicates. duplicates. And it was, okay. it was just the heads. So listeners, as you're going through tonight, try to piece together this story. You might be able to figure out really what was going on in this dream. Right? It's so strange. It is our. Uh, um, so does the same exist at Disneyland? Do we know? Uh, no. At Disneyland's uh, Mr. Toad is, is quite different because it was right, done in 83. The uh, yeah. There were a couple of elements that they pulled from Walt Disney right. Worlds, but very few. Okay. Um, so then uh, once we get out of the trophy room, uh, we go through a kitchen. You see a guy holding ice on his back, and there's a woman sort of balancing dishes that falls over. Uh, and then you go outside into a gypsy camp. And I say, Raleigh must have a thing about gypsy camps, because I realized after this, he also had a gypsy camp 
in uh, Knott's Berry Tales, right? Yep, yep. Which I never got to see, so uh, I'm only kind of aware of it from books and things, but he obviously had an affinity for that. So you'd come out of these these really cool Raleigh Crump signs that says, like, the future is in your hands. Know your destiny. Uh, you'd see an old hag with cards, like, beckoning you to get your fortune told. And then you run through, a, a uh, like, a bunch of gypsies playing music. And I thought it was interesting. One of them uh, kind of looks like Stromboli from Pinocchio, except yeah. sort of smiley. Uh, so you bust through the gypsy cart. And then you end up on a one-way street. And this is that place where uh, you can see the car, the other car heading towards you. And there's just like a bunch of crazy psychedelic signs uh, like stop and turn back and stuff. So you go through the little fake uh, running into each other and then you head off into Town Square, uh, which is a beautiful little set all indoors, kind of that like day for night thing with buildings on the outside edge. Uh, And there's a statue of Toad and Cyril in the middle of the square with a little sign that says keep off the grass because it's on a little fake grassy nook. And you kind of run by policemen's and a guy in a unicycle and a balloon, guy selling balloons and all kinds of little things, people popping up out of manhole covers. How good this scene looked, too, and how open and it felt going around and then just the black lights on everything lit up. It was just, it was fantastic. Yeah, it, and I think it, as you get out of... You didn't know the, where to look. Yeah, if you so get out of a on. tight space into a bigger space, all of a sudden it feels bigger. Right, right. Um, yeah, and there's a there was a lot of activity going on there. And what uh, I forget if we mentioned earlier, but what, what was the the time, the times, the century time frame of the, 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 the this was supposed to place in, right? So it would have been early, very early 1900s because of the right. invention of the motor car. Okay, yep. Uh, and it stuck to that kind of, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little yeah. loose. Uh, on, on, if you go in the other direction uh, on the wall, there was kind of like a Picasso version of Toad. And I think Picasso might have been active in the early 1900s, but I don't know if it was that early. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now the next the next part that you go through I think was one of my favorites because it had uh, another really weird thing in it which was like a kind of dirty naked lady on the wall. So uh, you'd go into Winky's pub uh, and you would see Winky the bartender behind the bar and he had a great little gag where he was holding up two beer mugs that were spinning and as you came in he would drop below the uh, below the bar but the beer mugs would continue to spin in the air. But up on the wall was this semi-nude, like, covered up with hair, so you couldn't really see anything, but this character called Rapunzel, uh, which always struck us as odd that there'd be this kind of, like, semi-nude figure in a Disney attraction. Well, maybe we should give RJ a call, because after last month, after he exposed, yeah, he... literally exposed the mermaids, that was something that didn't make the cut, on the, but uh, we learned that he painted the mermaids in 20,000 Leagues anatomically correct up top so i don't know maybe there was something underneath that we never know yeah i don't know there's <laughs> I, I just chalk it up to like interesting raleigh crump stuff that's right um so you'd uh come out of there and then go into the keg room in the back of the pub and there were just weasels everywhere and if, if you haven't seen uh wind in the willows 
uh, if you have seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit, the weasels in Who Framed Roger Rabbit were patterned after the weasels uh, in this. So uh, they were on barrels, holding clubs, basically threatening you as you move through. And then you would pop out of the back uh, into the what they called the rain room, and there were some rain effects on the wall. You would see Ratty in his house and Molly in a rowboat. And then kind of come around the corner uh, into probably one of the classic laugh in the dark style gags, which they picked up there. Uh, oh, yeah. So you'd go into a train tunnel. This was, uh, this was brilliant. Yeah. And when it first opened, actually for a long time, you'd go into the first set of doors uh, in a completely black room. It would open up and they actually had uh, like metal rails sort of on the floor so as you ran across it you would kind of bump on the rails to feel like you were really on a uh, railroad track yeah yeah uh and then the door would open and then there was a light just stuck to the ceiling on the far end of the room uh, a loud train whistle noise and then uh the aperture in front of this light would slowly kind of open up and the light would brighten to look as if a train was coming towards you uh once you got past that, there was kind of like a strobe light flashing on sort of like an explosion shape on the wall. And you'd bust through those doors and end up where else but in hell. Uh, so there were little demons all over the place, uh, sort of these psychedelic volcanoes with lava. And then a large figure of Satan holding a pitchfork would <laughs> rise up out of the back to menace you. Listeners, this is all making complete sense, right? Yeah. <laughs> For those of you who are never on the ride, you, you get the story, right? Yeah, it totally makes sense. And then yeah. uh, then after that, then you sort of pop out into the daylight and uh, you're ready to try another side if you want to or, or maybe do something a little less crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and just, okay. But again, where else in Walt Disney World could you go to hell? Go to hell. Exactly. I think it probably bears mentioning the the speed with which you move through there, uh, or at least the sensation they gave you that you were speeding through this ride. I mean, they, they truly added a, a wild ride aspect to it with the yeah. curves and the near misses of the other cars. And yes. you, you just the times you felt like you were going fast, even though you right. really weren't. You may not have been going fast, but it, it did feel like it. And that was one of the brilliant thing. I, I think with uh, they had enough objects close to the car sort of like middle ground and then some stuff farther away that you would sort of get that sensation of speed right right. and they were jaunty little cars uh when yeah. it first opened up and those those corners were as you said you know they were so tight that just that little zing around the corner and you know the, the door is opening up precisely at the right time right uh, the Unless they didn't, because there were several times. I was going to say, I always thought there would be a time where they didn't. Yeah, where you've, uh, well, if there was an e stop, for example, I can remember a couple of times if there was an emergency stop, it'd throw off the timing. Mm -hmm. So then you, your car might start and you might slam right into the uh, fireplace doors <laughs> and like bash them open. So That's that, that totally happened. Uh, so on the right side, uh, you go through Toad Hall again. Uh, and I, as I did, I did not mention that you get to see a uh, mole on a chair sort of in the middle. And then there's a toad statue that sort of tips uh, like it's going to fall on you. And that statue was later duplicated and put outside uh, of Disneyland's ride up on top as a decoration. And that was also done at Walt Disney World, too. So that toad figure sort of showed up in, in some other places later on. Uh, you run through the library and you see Mac Badger, his accountant, behind the desk, uh, being surprised as he flies in. Uh, you go through a barnyard and you see piles of hay and sheep uh, and rams and stuff and some pigs. 
you run up to a barn and there's a farmer that's uh, holding a rope to drop like, a bale of hay on your head. And then you bust into the barn and then there's just these painted chickens on a uh, sort of like a revolving carousel attached to the ceiling <laughs> that you go through. Very, very low tech. Uh, into the one-way street, through the town hall, uh, into a jail. And there's a uh, first... Here's one of those things that's really weird from the story. So if you've seen the movie, and if you haven't, I really recommend you go see it. Because it is, it is actually a great little film. Uh, so he, he goes through a uh, through a trial for stealing the motor car. But in, in the version at Walt Disney World, and in Disneyland, they, they actually kept that story. In, uh, in the Walt Disney World version, there's like a police constable behind the desk. And when he slams his gavel down, it sort of causes this light uh, to pop up off of the desk. Have you ever seen sort of that uh, old-fashioned view of like the, the police desk when you walk in? There'd usually be these two little ball lights on either side. They sort of kept that look with this little gag. Then you uh, cream through there past some wizzy... Uh, into some weasels in a jail cell and you go into prison and there's just weasels trying to bust out of the jail cell in every way possible. They're going through a window. They're digging through the ground. They're, one of them is holding like a giant ball of TNT. Uh, the weasels make their escape and then you go outside into Shireland and there's a car filled with weasels shooting at a car filled with policemen that are shooting at the weasels and it's just these little red lights turning on and off and, and some bullet sounds. And then you're back into the train tunnel uh, and then back into hell again on that side. So it's just a little brief run through of the, the kinds of things experienced. But yeah, the um, the design of the whole thing, as I talked about at the beginning, uh, with the sort of the simplicity, there was not a lot of, of full-blown props in here. Most of it was flats or, uh, or some simple sculptural shapes that they would make and then paint to look like rocks and things. It, it was a very simple but effective designed uh, ride. And a hell of a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, yeah. yeah. So, uh, the it managed to stay really in that just, state. Go ahead. I was going to say, the background is just really lit up. I just remember, as I said earlier, just everything just popping. Oh, and thanks so because cool. it was blacklight the entire right, the blacklight so yeah and as uh, rj last month um <clears throat> he also indicated a lot of times those blacklights they dim over time so if you were lucky enough to ride it with the newer lights when they when they installed the new bulb it was a lot it would you know so if you remember it really popping rj had done his job <laughs> yeah <laughs> got the electricians to replace the bulbs and i can there were enough times uh you know when raleigh Crip goes off on his little psychedelic bends it's like he really goes off on a psychedelic <laughs> bends and with the black light it really works exceptionally oh, yeah. well uh so that version of right i'm talking about actually managed to stay uh from 1971 until about december of 1993 and then in 93 the ride got a little bit of a makeover they kind of spruced up the outside, uh, changed out the flat sign for the for a more dimensional sign, um, but they also made a change to the cars, and this is something that a lot of people don't remember. So in '93, in order to try to get even more capacity out of Toad, they changed the cars from a two-seater vehicle to a four-seater vehicle, which was quite a bit larger and quite a bit bulkier. And unfortunately, sort of took some of that feeling of speed out of it. Right. right. Um, the corners were not as sharp. It just it lost a little bit of the fun, but we were, you know, still lucky to have Toad. 
Right. And what's interesting is that it was done that late in its life, too. Right. I, um, I think the irony, then, of them wanting to replace this with Pooh later on, it's like just a few years previously, it ac- they had actually gone through this whole exercise to try right. to improve capacity because there was not a time, I think, I that you would go to the park <laughs> when it wasn't super busy. That's what I was going to say is that no matter when you went, there was always a line. This was not a this ride is you know, underutilized by any means. It was they increased the capacity. It worked. They got people on it. The lines didn't change. They were still pushing people through. Yeah, up until the day that it closed, it was it was busy. <laughs> and honestly, I think Pooh was a little, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, is Pooh a little slower loading? <laughs> the capacity may have gone down. Probably, yeah. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, they only uh, have one of them, first off. That's true. That's true. Yeah, there's yeah, not two track. Poos. Yeah, yeah, so. not even two track. Yeah, I'm not even thinking that. Yeah, so by far, yeah. So, uh, so happy we were until October 27th, 1997, when the Orlando Sentinel broke a story uh, where they talked about, uh, oh, they broke a story entitled, Is Mr. Toad About to Drive Out of Disney? Uh, and there was a interview with the Disney spokesman where they talked about uh, that they're considering making a bunch of changes to the park, uh, like closing uh, Dream Flight to replace it with Buzz Lightyear. And uh, closing the Tiki Room to emplace it with uh, under new management. So there are obviously some super decisions going on there, at least. (laughs) (laughs) And they were well well thought. Yeah. Uh, So at that time, uh, they said that they were considering changing it, but they hadn't made a decision yet. Uh, So the very next day, uh, a gentleman in Miami uh, named Jeff Moskett. Uh, set up a website called SaveToad.com, and uh, he got the word out as quickly as he could uh, that the ride was going to change, and uh, had a whole bunch of info on there of who you could write to to try to save it. As as Raleigh talked about, uh, they had T-shirts that you could buy. I remember I bought one. Um, they had postcards and flyers and things that you could do. Uh, I actually made a couple of posters for them. Uh, to be able to download his PDFs and, and put up, and those are still running around the internet, uh, <laughs> oddly enough, to this day. And his website is still up. It's still, it's, it's still, still there. Up. You can go there now. Yeah, I, I just, and actually, you, you can go to savetoad.com, but it, it redirects to his site, but it's still there in all of its 1998 uh, design <laughs> glory. Uh, the nice hot green color back yeah. down there. Um, uh, yeah. So what Disney said was, uh, they were evaluating Mr. Toad as part of their ongoing effort to update or replace aging attractions. Uh, and some parents, they said, complained that it was too scary and outdated and technologically inferior. So uh, so Jeff uh, started the Toad-ins. Uh, quite a few of us showed up, uh, you know, did our protesting. But as we all know well today, a protest does about absolutely nothing uh, to stop Disney from changing anything. So uh, on September 7th, 1998, uh, the ride closed. It was a Monday, uh, and, and they actually did a pretty bad job. You know, what's I think is odd in retrospect. So today, if you're closing an attraction, it's like they do an event. They throw a party. They do some sort of upcharge thing, or they'll do some sort of dessert thing. Uh, I think it, when they closed Star Tours, it's like, they had a special event for D23 members, which looked to be very right. nice. Yeah, I mean, um, at, the, at the very least, they at least now tell you. Tell you what it's going to We're closing <laughs> it on such and such a date. And, yeah. But if which you really didn't used to happen. This was one of the, uh, other than, you know, Mickey Mouse Review, this was probably one of the very 
the first real big attractions that people had their hearts into closing yeah. in a time of of the internet beginning and everything where so I kind of look at this one as the first one where those types of rallies and, and, and protests could really begin. Um, and, and it was really the beginning of some of some of this. So. Yeah. I mean, they had closed 20K, but they actually just published the stuff in the newspaper. It was very low key, but like right. it, at least they admitted it with this thing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they actually were trying to be very deceptive about when it was going to close. And in fact, uh, I was there on the last day. And they were so concerned that people were going to jump out of the ride, try to take stuff or somehow disrupt it or chain themselves to the stanchions. <laughs> I don't know uh, that they actually at the, towards the end of the day, they actually posted cast members in every room inside oh, the attraction to keep an eye on things. Because the reality is, uh, from a security standpoint, that ride had nothing. There were no pressure pads. There were no cameras. Uh, once you got past the front, you could, in theory, do anything that you wanted to. Uh, and the way Nobody that the cars were that, set though. up, uh, there was a uh, like a kick plate down uh, at the front of the car that where you could manually disengage the bar, and you could very easily move your foot around uh, to the outside of the car and push <laughs> on that when you're in the car and get the the safety bar up and run around the ride next to your car as much as you liked. Not if, that I'm saying we did that. I'm no, just saying no, you could do that in theory. If you if you do visit the SaveToad.com website, remnants, uh, be sure to click through to the flyers because you can see how Bowers so credited early, yeah. "Tell Pooh to Go to Hell" flyer. <laughs> well done, of, Hal. Yeah, some of your early words. Yeah, some of my early stuff. He was that one, angry as a young man. That one I was very proud of because I changed the word "honey" to "money." on the uh <laughs> oh i see that because <laughs> the prevailing thought at that point was that uh poo was suddenly becoming really popular and they would throw a gift shop in there so the reasons weren't so as much about entertainment value as it was being able to turn it in more of a cash thing i think the reality was uh at that time they were they were freshening up the park you know in so many places tomorrowland yeah. got redone in 95 uh you know um like I said, they closed 20K. It's like, I think they really were for the 25th anniversary trying to update stuff and give uh, reasons for people to come back. And and that's ultimately the reason that, right. that it and, closed. And let's, let's be honest, too. The characters in Toad are not something that a lot of people identify with uh, are familiar with. Um, and, you know, especially little children, you know, uh, they they knew Snow White was also scary. And we obviously eventually saw the demise of that. Right. But, um, you know, you can see why they why they did. And that was that was probably more of a early teen focused ride because yeah. there wasn't, you know, when it first opened up, we didn't have Space Mountain. We didn't have Big Thunder Mountain. Like if you were looking for something somewhat thrilling, that was really your your only option. So as the other roller coasters came online, you know, there was less stuff for that that teenage market. But it's to me, it's still one of the most fascinating rides that they've ever built. Uh, yep. because it is just so bizarre and on Disney like. <laughs> so I don't know if you guys know this though. We we know Chris Wallace, right? And and he's making horizons. Vir virtual horizons. Virtual yeah. horizons. There was an early attempt <clears throat> um to make something called Virtual Toad. And if you go to virtual toad dot com, 
all that's left are some fantastic screenshots and renderings of what this individual had put together. I did try emailing him, um, and unfortunately the email bounces back, and uh, it, it looks like SB Cook. So if anybody knows or wants to take a look at that website and know who, who that is, they started phenomenal reproduction um, of Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. And uh, this was unfortunately last updated January 21st, 2008. So we're, we're eight years since last update. But how I don't know if you had seen that in, in, yep. uh, over the years. I mean, the, the, the work looked awesome. It looked really good for its time, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it does look really great. I mean, again, maybe that's a testament to the simplicity of, of the yeah. ride that you're able to reproduce that with, you know, tools as crude as they were for that time compared to what right, we have right. now. But yeah. Ah, Toad. Yeah, I see how it's getting depressed now. And <laughs> <end this> soon. <laughs> but, Someday uh, we'll be together again. That's right. <laughs> and next time I dream, I will dream of being a motor car so how we had some questions come in from listeners too right yeah so uh so let's see so disney thanksgiving on twitter uh at disney thanksgive asks what makes mr toad so popular in disney lore versus other dark rides uh actually i think we should all take a shot at maybe answering yeah so todd why don't you start well i i think because it is so confusing um, and you really don't know what's going on. And I, I think it was, as we discussed, the quick turns and everything is something that you didn't have uh, in any of the other attractions. Uh, you know, Peter Pan was a very nice flight around things and Snow White. Well, you turned a little bit. It wasn't it wasn't quick. So as House said earlier, it was one of the first kind of tween type rides. But I I really give it to the the offbeatness of it to me is what uh, what what really made it you know kind of stand out in the lore. Brian, do you have any? I, I mean, I'll, I'll only follow that up with the, you know, Raleigh Crump in the same vein as Mary Blair. Their fingerprints are on the things that they do. Mm -hmm. And Mark Davis. I mean, you know, that when they do a ride, uh, you, you know, it's theirs. It has a certain feel. And his uh, have always had his work has always had uh a feel unlike anything else and and so you you knew when you were on it i mean but i think that particular ride uh, because it was an original attraction because it was uh the the two different tracks it was a unique ride design uh to execute a dark ride for them uh and obviously the weird factor uh and the fact that it was as the the closest thing they had to a thrill ride in Fantasyland. um i i think all of those things kind of combined and it was classy. I mean, Mr. Toad was wearing a, you know, that fancy clothes on and you were riding in a fancy car and, you know. Yeah. Well, well I think you guys nailed it. Uh, and, uh, yes, if you do get a chance, go hunt down. I think it's on Netflix now. I think you can see Mr. Uh, Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Uh, Todd, you kind of mentioned that is one of the things when that when uh, when we got mm -hmm. to this in the 70s. That was a really hard movie to see. Yeah, I don't think yeah. I actually got to see it until I uh, found like a VHS copy in like the 90s. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it's an extraordinarily, it's a really fun story. And yeah. it's brilliant animation, like great script. It's its a really, really great short. And it's, it's a shame that uh, more people haven't seen it. Maybe the ride was a gateway to a lot of people either hunting down that short or reading the Kenneth Graham book, uh, which is also excellent. That's a great right, piece right. of literature. Yep. Um, 
So yeah, I think that's what makes it hold on. Nice. Uh, and uh, we actually got a memory from Justin Ponzi who said uh, it was the last day of operation. All the saved toad petitions didn't work and poop was coming. My Brad and I were at the Disneyana convention and ridden toad earlier in the day. We're having dinner at the uh, Fiesta Fun Center, which I really miss, and then pointed out that our friends in Toad Hall are almost done. Brad said that the Magic Kingdom was open for another 45 minutes and that we could make it, so we ran off to try to get in one more ride. The queue was still open and we were able to get to the third last car. Our track was already closed, I recall it being on the left side. Afterwards, we hung outside with a group of guests and CMs to say one last goodbye. Brad comes up with this thought, what if Disney decided to have Pooh and his little band of miscreants parade out in a joyous celebration? <laughs> I reminded him that they already looked like an ugly mob and Disney security would have us outmatched. This is my favorite memory. So, Justin, thanks, thanks for seeing that. <laughs> thanks for writing. Thank you very uh, much, Justin. Yeah, that was. So I forgot the Disneyana convention was going on uh, when they did do Disneyana conventions before the D twenty three. That that was actually going on at the same time. So brilliant planning. To yes, right. Plan right. the closure of the ride while people interested in the history of the parks are there. Yeah, bring all of the nerds in so that way they can attack you. And like I said. <laughs> Like there were tons of like people in white shirts and ties, like just freaking everywhere because they did not know they just, they thought something was going down, and in the end, it turned out, of course, no one's going to do anything because it's Disney World. So, right, uh, but they they were expecting a mob scene, and they didn't get it. Excellent. They didn't get it because we're classy. We're classy That's right. people. That's right, like Mister Toad. That's right. All right. Well, with that, we wrap up. Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, and I don't know, maybe that virtual guy will come back, or maybe when Chris Wallace is done with uh, Horizons, what do you think, guys? Think he'll take this one on? Uh, he's got a long way to go on Horizons. He's working <laughs> that's, on that's it. True. That's, he's working on it. We should have someone try to build this in their backyard. I think that's the... Just rebuild Toad awesome. from scratch. It's mostly exactly. plywood. You can do it. It'd be cool if it was gravity-fed, too, right? You just push it off the side of your house, go <laughs> gain some For speed. For the pieces you're missing, you can just go in a small world with a with a hacksaw. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Cut off the, the heads of some of those animals. <laughs> oh, man. We got a problem in small world. What's right? The hippo's head is missing. Hippos are gone. Totally gone. Toad! <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that wraps up uh, this month's main topic. Uh, we all miss Toad, and uh, hopefully uh, ride it a little bit on YouTube now and then if you if you want to see it. So, um, Brian, you want to discuss something that we've got coming up, kind of a – we've been hinting at this for a couple of months, but it looks like it's going to come to fruition. And um, why don't you give the listeners a little little tidbit on what's going on. Okay, well, D23, the official Disney fan club, has announced its 2016 event in Florida, Destination D, Amazing Adventures. And uh, that is a weekend, uh, November 19th and 20th, which is the weekend before Thanksgiving. Uh, it's the same time they did it two years ago. How and I attended that one, which focused on the 1964 World's Fair and some attractions of years gone by. Uh, this time there are uh, five topics mentioned at this point, but in the center of it is, uh, this is the 45th anniversary of Walt Disney World coming up on October 1st. And so they'll have Magic Journeys, 45 years of Walt Disney World adventures. Now, uh, in talking about uh, 
whether or not Disney's going to do this event, we've been talking all year, uh, waiting for it to be announced and, and, and a date set so that we can plan on all being there. And I think if we've all synced our watches that uh, Hal, JT, uh, Todd, and myself will definitely be there. Uh, and we would like to put some kind of an event together, uh, probably Saturday evening, uh, in between, you know, the two sessions, uh, where we, you know, you get a chance to come and, and look at some of the cool stuff we've had. And, uh, we want to put some kind of an event together. Uh, we're not quite sure what shape that is going to take, but we've got some terrific ideas and some great guests, uh, in mind. And, and, uh, we would love to display some of the rare items that we talk about on here and, do a lot of other fun stuff. So all of that's still in the planning stages, but stay tuned. That's right. Uh, and if you are planning on being there, tweet at us, email us, uh, let us know. Maybe we'll set up some kind of a, an email notice uh, that you can sign up for so that when we do finally have an event put together uh, that we can let you know. But we're going to do our best to uh, put something on and make it accessible to everybody uh, make it easy for you to get there. We know a lot of people use Magical Express and, and don't have a car or anything like that. So we will figure it out. It's in the early planning stages, but stay tuned because whatever it is, it's going to be a lot of fun. That's right. And somewhere in there, it will feature Hal Bauer's liquid, formerly liquid Luau's famous uh, rum cocktails. That's right. It's gearing up that, getting that retro menu going, right? That's right. Yes. So yeah, follow us. Stay tuned. We'll fill you in as uh, as it comes to light. So, all right. Well, that about does it for another episode. JT, I know you're listening at home there. I uh, hope you feel better. We'll see you next month, I'm sure. Guys, I don't think there's anything else. Um, next month, as we promised, we're going to stay in an attraction, something that we haven't decided yet unless we have one, but uh, we're going to stay within the attraction realms and uh, we're going to bring you something from the past back to light again. Yeah, so there are some suggestions. Throw out some suggestions? Throw some suggestions. All right. Well, we just hit Fantasyland. We've done Tomorrowland. It might be time to go back over to Epcot. That's an excellent idea. We've yeah. got some future world pavilions. I'm I'm <clears throat> I'm feeling a little uh a deluge coming on, to be honest with you. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> Do you need medical you attention? All right. I get it. Uh, right. I think I'll I understand. Yeah. Once the, the right. largest uh, man-made ocean in the world. I I'm, I'm feeling a little sea base alpha. Sea base alpha. Or the other thing that I, or I always turtle like talk to... with crush. I know you're referring <laughs> to one or the other. Um, I I always like to listen to the land too. So the because choices you have, uh, listeners. Uh, followers, devotees, if you will, is uh, is the land. Uh, Will the listen to the land or li listen to the land is the original attraction, right. or uh, the living seas? Well, you guys can make a suggestion too. Well, I think those are two good suggestions. Okay. Now we did do kitchen cabarets. We did. We've already been in the land, but and as always, everyone can vote. Majority rules. I think we should do symbiosis. We should just talk about that film. Yes. We just did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or we should talk about the uh, the Epcot Computer Central attraction where you could ah, the Astuter computer. go in there and, uh, well, the Astuter computer thing was only there for like nine months. But, you know, you'd, you'd have that tour where at the end of it, they'd open up the panel and show you 
the computers that run Epcot. Backstage magic. Backstage. Yes. Yeah, and there was also the great thing with Smart One and all that other great thing. So we could do a Communicore episode. Would be good. Pick East or West, huh? As long as House willing to talk about the Atari Fifty Two Hundred. Yes. <laughs> so why don't we do this? We will throw. We'll put a vote up when this podcast hits. We'll see what type of feedback we get, and uh, we'll put it up for Listen to the Land, a Communicore, or the Living Seas. Does that sound good, guys? Or the popcorn cart outside the land. We could do that, too. Yeah, that's true. I didn't have the clown, though, that went around, did it? <laughs> All right, well, that wraps up another edition of the Retro Disney World Podcast. Um, thanks, as always, to all of our listeners for listening in. Um, please write us an email and uh, send us an iTunes review if possible. Um, normally at this time, uh, you know, I call out for Brian to take us out, and I know all of our listeners know where to find us, so uh, I've just got a couple more uh, things I want to say. Um, regarding my mother, as, as you remember in the beginning of the podcast, I dedicated this um uh, episode to her and um for those of you you don't know my mother uh she was an illustrator and an artist and uh she had a a big impact on my life especially from the perspective of writing and uh, in fact my book walt disney world made simple some of you may or may not remember that but it was published in the late mid to late 90s and into early 2000s um there was a bear in there and there was some artwork done uh, for this bear that we designed together, uh, my mom and I, and she was the illustrator for my book, and the bear's name was, was Sydney, actually, and uh, a little play on the on the Disney name. So, but um, before we sign off here, I just want to say to my mother, thank you so much for everything you provided for all of us. Thank you so much for the memories at Disney World. Thank you for illustrating the book and doing everything with me over the years. I've learned so much from you. I'm so proud of you. And mom, you always said that I would be your baby, and uh, I always will. And uh, until we see each other again, I love you, thank you, and sweet dreams. Goodness knows that you're so precious to me.